Welcome to Filled to Flourish with Luke and Lauren. Where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, we um, are glad to have you back. This week, we, well, our last podcast, um, we realized that we have reached 18 countries, is it? That's correct. We have listeners of the Filled to Flourish podcast in 18 countries around the world, which is so awesome. Pretty exciting. It really is. Um, Yeah, and we just, we want to thank you because we've had amazing, um, our listenership is growing and we're getting really great feedback, which encourages us to keep going, keep creating content. And it just, it's really awesome. We're so excited about this project. We really are. It's been fun. And just to see people are interested in what we're talking about and it's helping them and encouraging them is really just great to see. And we just continue to encourage you guys to keep listening Mm -hmm. and share it with friends and family if you can. Definitely. And just uh, we're excited to keep going. But we do want to also inform our listeners that the next month or so, is going to be a little unpredictable because we are heading back to our home in Thailand. <laughs> Side effects, sound effects, I mean. And so uh, we'll be traveling. We'll be in quarantine for two weeks. We'll be packing our house that we're staying in and trying to get to the other side of the world. Yeah. We don't know how never quite done it this way. No. So it's going to be a lot. So we'll see what, what we are able to publish um, in the next month or so. So stay put. Also, we'll give you time to catch up yes. on the past episodes that you've been wanting to get to. Um, but yeah, we'll but we will be back. Uh, someone also asked this week, are we going to planning on continuing to produce content for the podcast while we're back in Thailand? And the answer is absolutely yes. yes. We plan to do this for as long as the need is there and as long as we have things to talk about. That's right. Which we've got a lot of things to talk about. We do. So I don't see them running out anytime soon. And um, also, please feel free to give us feedback if there's topics you'd love discussed further or topics we haven't even addressed yet discussed. We'd be glad to explore the possibility of doing that. Yeah. So today's... um, What are we going to talk about today? Yeah. Today is really personal and vulnerable. Um, and basically we want to share from our experience, what it's like being a person with chronic illness and what it's like being the spouse of a person with chronic illness. So whether this is, um, physical disability or chronic health issue that will kind of, this will encompass all of that. And we just want to share from our journey, things that have been really meaningful for us as we have grown together in this really hard aspect of life. Yeah. And this is going to be a two-part series. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about chronic illness. And the next episode, we're going to talk about mental illness Mm -hmm. and how that affects works within marriage. Um, So Lauren has struggled with chronic illness throughout our marriage, and I've struggled with uh, mental illness throughout our marriage. And so we'll talk about that one next one, next episode. Uh, my experience with mental illness and Lauren being the wife, spouse of a person with mental illness. Mm-hmm. So also yeah. encourage you to check that one out next. Yep. Um, this week I was actually um, on one of the Facebook groups I'm a part of for autoimmune diseases. A husband had jumped on and said, listen, guys, I have 
I had this beautiful marriage with my wife and we had two kids. And after her second child, she developed um, thyroid disease and our marriage has basically gone to ruin since then. He said, I've been a jerk. I've assumed she was lazy and didn't care about our marriage. And all of our fights have been about this when really I just missed how much this particular disease affects your everything, how you feel, how you sleep, your motivation, your mood, everything. And it even looks a little like mental illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, she was being treated for anxiety and depression. Exactly. And yeah. It, it was like he was basically um, waving the white flag and saying, I, my wife has just left me. She's asking for a divorce and I'm so late to the game, but I'm here now. And I want to learn and understand what I've dismissed in the past. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I, I think he's praying uh, that he'll be able to salvage his marriage, but it just broke my heart for him and it broke my heart for her. And I was glad that this was scheduled because I really think this is really a valuable topic it that is. ends up affecting. I mean, a lot of us people with chronic health problems, we assume there's not that many, but then for the work that I do as a nutritionist, I know that there's a lot of people walking around that look what you would consider very normal and healthy and that functioning. Yep. That live with just a massive burden on their lives and their days from chronic health problems. And I think it affects way more than we would imagine. So we hope this conversation is beneficial to you or, you know, even someone, you know, if you have best friends who have chronic health issues, this will actually be helpful to our Absolutely. family members. So, yeah, I think if we had had, people to mentor us in this in the early years mm -hmm. so we're both like you're mid-30s i'm inching towards mid-30s <laughs> um because you have a birthday coming up in a month oh my gosh i do i won't my jesus year will be over that's right i just think about how helpful it would have been if we had had even one other couple to help us like affirm our experience and the trials of being a couple yeah. with illness in it it would have felt so less isolating mm. and so knowing how to prepare for it, how to support each other. Mm -hmm. So early on in our marriage, dealing with our attachment, mm -hmm. uh, insecure attachments and how that inter interacted with our insecurities, but then to enter into marriage thinking, okay, we're in our early twenties. Yeah. We have so much life together and um, we get to enjoy life together. Then early on in our marriage, your chronic uh, illness got worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And early on in our marriage, I look back and it looks like you lost and missed out on like your twenty, your twenties, mm -hmm. because your mind was in your twenties. Yeah, our lifestyle was in our twenties, but your body was saying. I'm like 50. Yeah. <laughs> like Seriously, slow down. Like 70 some days. Yeah. Slow down. There is the exhaustion. There's pain. There's headaches. And it was so much. It was a lot. And I was a husband wanting to go out on dates and you were tired. Mm -hmm. There is, we had young kids. We wanted to go out and have fun, but you were in too much pain. And mm -hmm. not to mention just the, what I needed to get done. Like you yeah. were in grad school and working, yep. I was working and there was a ton of stuff, practical this things practical stuff. in our house and with our kids that some days, depending on where my symptoms were that day, was just felt like just unbearable yeah. to accomplish. 
which put more burden on you, mm-hmm. um, which led to more conflict and tension because definitely in those early years, especially before I had diagnoses, yeah. I think, I mean, what, what did you, what did you think? Did, were you confused? Did you think? Definitely confused. I didn't think you were lying to me or making stuff up. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely times where my attachment was triggered and I was frustrated. Like, I feel like I'm doing so much. Why can't she help me? Yeah. But knowing that you're not just taking advantage of me, but there's a part of that avoidant attachment saying she is taking advantage mm-hmm. of you. Definitely. And, and as an Enneagram nine, I'm sure that came into it too. Absolutely. Of like, well, my needs don't really matter. Hers do, but mine don't get to matter. I mean, how many conversations we have about that? Mm-hmm. Not being able to feel like my needs mattered. Yep. And it was that hard balance of serving you and loving you, but also feeling so overwhelmed with being a dad, being a young father, being in grad school, working part-time. It was overwhelming. Yeah. It was so, so much on your plate. And we were so, um, we were in love, but we were so, what would be the word? Unhealthy. <laughs> like there was a brokenness. Yeah. Like we, we've shared parts of our story in early marriage. There was dysregulation. There was addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you had chronic illness. And so it was. No wonder those years were so hard to navigate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was good that came out of it in the sense uh i learned what it meant to love you mm-hmm. and to serve you unconditionally yeah uh, that was not because i'm a great person i feel like <laughs> god really worked in my heart yeah because there was a lot of there was bitterness mm-hmm. there was resentment and that was a balance between i love this woman mm-hmm. and as our journey kept on going and i it wasn't just like a year or two years. Right. It kept on going. It was like, okay, this is significant. And I want to be here for her. But it's also frustrating. Like, uh, but is this going to end? Yeah. Like, I can't. Uh, how much more can I do with this? Yeah. And also the grief of I, I'm. I want my wife back. Mm-hmm. I want that girl that we were da- that was, I was dating. Yeah, that, that was, didn't seem hindered by anything. Right. Like, yeah. There's um, grief there. And there was there was grief. That was before you knew what the heck grief was and what the heck to do with that. And that's and that's a significant point of I didn't grieve any of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure how much I even shared during like during that time mm-hmm. of what I was thinking because it was it was like a feeling, but I didn't have a language for that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the avoidance part of me had a hard time acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Then had a worse time talking to you about it yeah because i don't want to make you feel worse mm-hmm. and so i felt used but also wanted to serve you i felt tired exhausted but knew that you were also exhausted were in pain so i didn't want to put pressure on you to not be able to share with me yeah so it was an isolating definitely journey and what we've talked about in the past also you've kind of felt the same way mm-hmm. you shared a little bit with me yeah didn't want to share everything with me because you want to put more pressure on me. Mm-hmm. And so there was, and I remember there was days where you were like, I've had a, an eight headache all day. I'm like, well, I didn't even know you had a headache today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so true. And I just think of like when you, before you said the word isolating, that was the feeling that I was feeling just mm-hmm. now as you were, as I was like uh, remembering those, those harder years and just thinking of, 
we weren't in therapy then, unfortunately. No. We didn't no. know the value of that at that point. And we weren't, um, I think there's just some things that are more taboo in culture. I don't know why this would be one, maybe just because of how vulnerable it is. But like the relationships in our lives, we weren't confiding in them with yeah. how heavy this burden got some days. Yeah. So like you weren't sharing with friends or mentors or, or, you know, people in your life, professors, whatever this, and I wasn't sharing either. Yeah. So you were in your world being um, bitter and sad and grieving and tired and missing what you had hoped we would have. Mm -hmm. And I was in my world afraid and overwhelmed by my body and confused by what was happening and full of guilt and shame for what I was needing of you. Yeah. And we were doing it in many seasons alone. Right. And that's just that. Can we just say like, we don't have to walk alone in the things that try to break us in this world. We don't have to be alone. No, we shouldn't be alone in these things. Being alone makes it so much harder. And you were saying like, we weren't talking about it. I remember the feeling of, I can't talk about it because I don't want to shame my wife. Mm. I don't want to talk about it because will people understand what I'm saying yeah. and be able to love my wife well, mm -hmm. or, or is she going to, are they going to judge her? Right. There was times where I shared stuff and people would just kind of tell me like your husband, you need to serve her to mm -hmm. suck it up. Mm -hmm. And so that stopped me from sharing it sometimes mm -hmm. also. Um, and the isolating part of, I might know times we've made, plans with friends mm -hmm. we've had to cancel yeah because you had a headache because you were in a pain because you were tired and it was so hard for you to make those plans and because you weren't sure if right. you would have to cancel again the unpredictability and of so we isolated illness. yeah because people don't understand we, we didn't have a diagnosis for so long it's like oh you have a headache like i get headaches <laughs> right no i've had a headache for the last seven days <laughs> right <laughs> I'm not functional at this point. Yeah. I've pushed as long as I can, and now I just need to die. Right. Uh, <laughs> Felt like that many days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, there's so much here. There is. Mm. And one of the important things that I've had to learn, and I've made mistakes, was to validate your experience. Because there was times like when I felt like my, my uh, unhealthiness felt like being taken advantage of. Yeah. And so I wouldn't want to validate it. Mm -hmm. There was times where not only didn't validate it, but I wasn't present for you. Yeah. Like emotionally present. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, that's where attachment, I think that was a lot of my avoidant attachment and mm -hmm. not able to grieve Yeah, is I can't engage with you what I haven't engaged in me. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that with our stories. Yeah. You can't give what you don't have. And so... I couldn't grieve with you, your journey, as I wasn't grieving my journey with you because mm -hmm. uh, I was avoiding emotionally. And yeah. then you grieving your journey and inviting me into it was intimidating because mm -hmm. I didn't have the tools. Mm -hmm. So I would be present physically, mm -hmm. but emotionally, you didn't feel supported. Wow. I just had such a flashback when you were saying that, such a memory that uh, I had not remembered for a while, but I'm going to share it. I remember one night, <clears throat> this was several years ago, I had gotten a diagnosis like later in the day, must be came through email or something. And 
other people we knew had had this diagnosis and it was really um, chronic and very resistant to treatment. And I was like, it was the straw that <laughs> broke the camel's back. Okay. Is that a saying? It is. <laughs> oh my gosh. It felt unbearable. It wasn't a straw either. It was significant, but it just felt like oh my gosh, I cannot have this diagnosis. Mm. And it was so overwhelming. And I should remember being in bed. And ironically, that like, I, I don't know if it was related, but it probably was because emotional stress totally affects how our physiology works. I was having so much pain um, in my legs, actually. Like it felt like my legs were breaking. I was having so much bone pain and I was crying and crying and like physical and emotional pain. And I just, I was pretty much a mess. And so much of my emotional health or my uh, chronic health journey, I've kind of been more on the stoic side and not lost my balls in front of you. Um, I don't have balls, but (laughs) if I I did, I would have lost them this night. (laughs) Like just lost lost it. And I remember you, you couldn't, you just could not. It was so overwhelming to you. I think you were having your own inner processing of the diagnosis Mm -hmm. and you were trying to like process what this meant for us and blah, blah, blah. And I cracked and um, it was something, it was just such an isolating night. And I think what Mm -hmm. happened there was like intimacy was missed because we were both, I was so scared and panicking and out of your avoiding attachment that felt so overwhelming yeah and and so just your body kind of said run do you remember that night okay yeah i do remember that night and i remember it was it was too hard for me. I, I was scared yeah and so yeah i wasn't able to be there for you there was a lot of internal processing mm-hmm. and i was scared and i didn't know how to be there for you yeah and because I had didn't know how to grieve, I didn't know how to grieve with you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to enter in that with you, and it was it was very isolating. I'm alone. I tried. I it was definitely a mess. Yeah, it was it was scary. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably really common to happen mm-hmm. with couples who walk through this together. Of just big days where significant things happen and because of where you're at like as a couple we weren't where we are now Mm -hmm. like I don't think that would happen again right but um, all the variables around us it's just ended up being a mess and yeah just creating isolation and something so painful but thankfully we communicated right even back then and i was able to share that with you and you were able to repair Repair, that that loss gosh when you were talking that came into my mind of such a tangible memory of what it's like for a spouse when that validation isn't there and like for the for the people listening it's it's usually i would say not this malicious i'm withholding from you something you need because you don't deserve it like there's so much more that goes into I couldn't regulate myself to right, be there with to you. To be exactly. And it wasn't lack of love. It wasn't lack of care or concern for me mm-hmm. or or your own brokenness over this. 
but in the moment, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the reality is you, you missed me yeah. and that pain happened. So Absolutely. regardless of intention, like we always say in our house, it's not what you meant to do. It's what you did. And we say that to our kids a lot. It's <laughs> um, not what you tried to communicate. It's what did what you actually did come across, which doesn't mean that there's no value in exploring why you did it. Right. That's very valuable. But it, it ultimately, relationally, it depends on what you actually exchanged. And right. that's what the person you received. Right. Just because I couldn't regulate myself didn't take my responsibility that you were hurt. Right. Right. It it, it was just as hurtful, right. regardless of if it was malicious or not. Yeah. But I, I think because it wasn't malicious, you're able to then pick up the pieces after the fact and repair, which Not is quicker. Yeah. So, so amazing. Such an amazing part of having a building that secure attachment with someone. Sure. But just, just if I can emphasize like um, to the spouses of the people with chronic illness or issues, validating their pain, their experience, their reality Fear. is such a huge healing balm in the midst of a place where nothing feels healing mm -hmm. nothing feels reparative or better everything feels raw and open and just so broken but when you can have someone come in they're not fixing the problem because sometimes there aren't fixes right mm -hmm. but they're coming in to be beside you to be with you and to say, I see what you're saying. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. I don't think you're crazy. I do not think you're crazy. I don't think you're fabricating it. I don't think you're, you're exaggerating, exaggerating yeah. it to get something. I believe your experience and I'm here to be with you in it. Hello. Yeah. That's what we all need for every area of pain and brokenness in our life. Absolutely. And so I just encourage those spouses like to find a way through your fear. Don't dismiss your fear of joining into that, yeah. but find a way through it to the other side where you can meet your partner and be such a gift to their heart in this. For me, chronic illness sucks. The physical symptoms suck and drive me nuts, but the emotional burden that chronic illness brings is what some days makes it unbearable. We've always kind of laughed, like, which is harder, emotional pain or physical pain? And, you know, <laughs> that's like really an age old question. I don't know. They both are terrible. Days when I'm in deep emotional pain, I'm like, yep, this one's harder. <laughs> and then days when I'm like, you know, have the worst migraine ever. I'm like, I'd rather just be dead. Right. But I can feel that way from emotional pain, too. Mm -hmm. So what I do know and what we have realized is we can ease that pain and kind of shoulder some of it when we step into it. But there's no way to do that with like trite sentiments thrown at someone yeah. over in the corner in their pain. You have to enter it with them. Yeah. All pain is easier when you're not alone mm. in that, right? Totally, 100%. Like the isolation just magnifies us so much more. Yep. How do you make space for your experience? How do you not allow the shame and the guilt mm. to come in and minimize it, come in and t take away your voice, your pain, your experience? I think there's two parts to that, because if the validation and affirmation isn't there first, the spouse isn't going to feel like they can go into that 
there, there's not going to be space made in the couple's relationship if there's not that first, I believe you, I affirm your reality. Absolutely. So that's like a precursor. But then on top of that, the chronically ill person needs to be willing to be weak mm. and show themselves as weak and vulnerable and not okay. And that's really hard. Really hard. And some personalities is harder than others. Right. That's another reason why it's so important to know yourself mm -hmm. is, is that going to be something easy for you to do? Mm -hmm. Or is that going to be even harder than other people? And yeah. why it's important to know your spouse. Yep. That okay, like you have a personality that's very hard to show that weakness and that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so when I see it, I'm like, okay, there's probably more there than I than she's even communicating. Yep. And I think my attachment, uh, also personality and attachment, being anxiously attached, like when I've put those bids out to show and you haven't responded perfectly. <laughs> I'm like, eh, I don't think I want to do that again. This is too, it's too exposing. It's just, I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And so I have to also be aware of that. Like you're a person with lots of variables going into your day, where you're at, how you feel, how obnoxious the kids have been, what's going on with work, what's going on with everything that you may not respond with the perfect response. If it's hurtful enough, I tell you. Right. And there needs to be that space and that willingness for me to give you that feedback. So you're like, okay, she needed another level yep. there. Or I just, I look past it and I continue to be willing to share with you when I need to. Um, and I think that's wax and wane through our marriage. Like some seasons I share more yeah. than others. As you're talking, a couple of thoughts came to my mind that I think could be helpful or clarifying for the spouses that don't have the chronic illness. As you're talking, I think what you're describing is the spouse with a chronic illness needs the other spouse to be able to regulate themselves so that they can be feel safe. So as you're sharing your symptoms and your experience in the past, they would dysregulate me. They would mm -hmm. overwhelm me. Yeah. And I couldn't engage with them and I couldn't face them. Well, if I avoid them, maybe they'll go away. <laughs> I wish it worked that way. <laughs> right. But as I've learned how to regulate myself, I've been able to be more safe, which has given me the ability to then help co-regulate you and make you feel safe in an unsecure and stable, scary experience. Yep, exactly. That's been so, we've seen so much growth there. Yeah. And I've been able to support you in the way that my heart wants to support you. Yeah. I want to love you. I want to be there for you. I want you to have space to share your experience. I don't want you to be feel isolated. But I wasn't able to regulate myself so that I could be a safe person and co-regulate you. Yeah. But as I've done this emotional work, mm -hmm. understood my attachment, looked at my story, yeah, healed. I've been able to do that for you in this situation. Yeah, you have. And as you've been able to, like it was, we talked in the past, we've had those give and takes. Mm. And that's helped me just remember like, okay, I love my wife. Like She's loved me so well. I want to love her well. And I want to fight for her. Yeah. Uh, whether it's looking at my story, there's purpose in here. 
because I can be a better husband, better dad, better mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. and support you in this journey that has been going on so long. Yeah. And exhausting and mm -hmm. scary, like I said, mm -hmm. and uncertain. Yeah. We're thankful that you have had progress. Yeah. You symptomatically have better better days than you used to yeah much more functioning um but the reality is with people with chronic illness it's called chronic because it's it doesn't it's go lifelong <laughs> it stays for the journey and it morphs through the years mm -hmm. better in some ways worse in other ways um yeah but yeah i think the emotional aspect to chronic illness is so not talked about yeah. and that what you have done there has been attuning to the heart of me mm -hmm. like that that doesn't change directly the symptoms i'm experiencing yeah. but it it helps steady my heart in the midst of those scary very unnerving realities like we're not made to be ill right this is the in, in my understanding of the world this is a part of the brokenness of the world right this is not normal and this isn't what the human mind normally knows how to endure right that's why when we're sick with the flu we know oh it's just going to be a week and i'll be better and it's supposed to be acute you're you're not i mean no sickness is normal but uh chronic illness has this taxing effect on the, the mind and the heart that is so it's so hard to articulate and to walk through but when you have someone able to attune to them or to yeah i guess attune to themselves and their own needs regulate and then offer you that co-regulation and help ground you in the midst of those scary symptoms or those hard days it's it's really an invaluable mm -hmm. invaluable thing and honestly there's not been many people that can go there with me right my chronic illness has been confusing to family members, to friends. Um, and I think it's just really hard to go into that with someone if you haven't experienced it. So to all you spouses out there who are trying to attune to something that you don't know about personally, I applaud you because that's really hard to do as humans. Yeah. Like it's just hard to. That's the definition of empathy. Yeah. Being yeah. Being able to enter into somebody else's shoes that you haven't had the experience yep. necessarily and it's so powerful in this so i'm i'm so thankful that you've been able to offer me more in that area and come alongside me yeah when i really need it the most and push past your fear and the dysregulation and uncertainty that my symptoms might cause you to be able to help me in that uh it reminds me of a little video and explanation between like empathy and sympathy yeah that's Brittany brown yeah she was talking about describing a someone falls into a pit sympathy is looking into the pit and saying wow it looks really dark in there and scary <laughs> i must feel really bad yeah. i'm sorry that you're there yeah and empathy is getting a ladder walking to that hole and looking around and saying wow this is scary yeah this is hard this is can painful. i come sit with you can i sit with you and comfort you in the midst of this thankfully i'm yeah i've grown in that yeah, you have. And I think this might be helpful detail to include, like, depending on your spouse's personality and attachment and all of that, like, Luke has been serving me for years on days where I'm not well. Um, and that service felt more accessible to you, I think, 
like, let me just do this for you. Let me help you. Let me help the kids, blah, blah, blah. Go rest. What can I get you? Right. And that, that was like growth for you because that was, you had to get past a lot of the bitterness and like that feeling of being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. um, or being overwhelmed. Yes. And then the next level has been probably in the last several years has been not only will I love you in the practical ways, yeah. but I won't like erase you from this day just because you're not yourself yeah. and I will see you and I will um, give you the dignity of still emotionally engaging, even though you can't offer me the same level of human interaction that you can when you're well. Right. And that type of love and like dignifying, honoring care is also so powerful mm. so i'd say that's probably the the lowest level of not the lowest the deepest level of being able to love someone with chronic illness is not just helping them out but not not letting them be alone and not letting them be less of a person in your mind on the days where they feel less of a person right yeah yeah well said um well done Thank you. <laughs> We've been trying to just give some principles yeah. of how to serve some a spouse with chronic illness and how to help the spouses of chronic illness to to validate their role and understand their also their experience. Yeah. And how to serve their spouse to validate the the experience of the spouses spouse with chronic illness. Uh, for the spouses, spouse with chronic illness to make space for their experience and share without the shame and guilt. And we were just, we started talking about the importance of the emotional health mm -hmm. to regulate. Right. So my, my responsibility and need to do self-care, mm -hmm. to be aware of how am I responding? How am I being affected? What needs aren't being met? And how's that, what's that stirring up in me to learn how to regulate myself, to engage with you emotionally, how to do self-care well. So I just want to really emphasize the importance of engaging with your story and your emotional health. There's like two lanes of, of culture. A lot of times of yes, emotional health is important and Emotional health is weird and frou-frou and let's avoid it at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, a false understanding. Yeah. And it's the it's not just a neutral understanding. The fruit of that is right. rotten. It's rotten and it's counter it could produce a fruit that's counter to loving your spouse. Yeah, definitely. Like if I didn't do that work mm -hmm. then i would not be able no matter how much i love you right be able to emotionally engage with yeah. you to support you we've had a, a we had a conversation recently where you were sharing again just another level of grief mm -hmm. and frustration and i was able but i missed you that one night you were talking about mm -hmm. i didn't miss you this time mm -mm. and it wasn't hard mm. it was I was able to see the humanness in you. I could. I was able to see the the fear in you, the sadness, but I was also able to regulate myself and be present to ground myself. Yeah. 
so that I wasn't triggered, wasn't traumatized, didn't disassociate. Yeah. Or didn't of offer like pat answers. Pat answers that would have just pulled me back immediately and been like, okay, it's not safe to share. It would have invalidated your experience. Yeah. And would not created a space where you could share your experience. Yeah. But instead, it was a connecting point. Yeah. Where your reality didn't change, mm-hmm. but you didn't feel alone. Yeah. And it really changed everything though. Yeah. About how I felt my inner world. Right. And it gave me the strength that I needed to keep, keep uh, moving on, yeah. keep pushing through. And it created a moment of connection for us. Yeah. So it, like we were talking last episode of the intimacy you take outside of sex. Yeah. You bring into sex. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't an intentional. <laughs> it was a move on your part. <laughs> it was. Hoping it wasn't for anything something bad. Later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would kill you. You know that. But it was no. a, but the intimacy of our marriage. It was a deposit into the intimacy it of was. our marriage. It's, it's very important. It's a sacred place, You're right? For you to share our little glimpses of our story with each other throughout our days is a way. The way. Yeah. Like it's how it we grow our hearts together. And yeah. you know me that much more because of that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. It's sacred work, guys. This is really um, the most tender places really are the most sacred, mm-hmm. like relationally. And it's a gift to be able to yeah. give and take. It doesn't mean though, like we know the most tender places also are the places where there's been a, the most hurt. High risk, and, high reward, high risk high hurt yeah it's so true um but again like we always say it's worth it like so let us not be afraid of the pain and the hardness of navigating these waters because the the fruit and the beauty of having this connection in such a hard place is just priceless yeah totally agree yeah it's been a hard journey but i am grateful to be on it with you i'm so glad i'm not alone yeah Well, thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this was helpful. Come back next week as we will talk about the same kind of conversation, but how to handle mental illness within marriage. So we'll talk to you again next week. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.